it's, it's, it's showtime. So <laughs> it's it's showtime, guys. <laughs> I kind of lost track of time there a little bit. Welcome to Spilling Ink Live, presented by Creative Edge, your brand, your future. Now for the rest of the sponsor script, I'm going to turn it over to Katie, who knows what she's talking about. Wow, no warning whatsoever. <laughs> I can't even pull the script up. Way to throw me under the bus there, Jason. <laughs> Well, what what we what we do know is that Creative Edge is awesome. Uh, Creative Edge is a publicity company, uh, Mickey Mickelson, and what he does is he creates partnerships with shows like ours, radio shows, um, print publications, and gets authors connected um, with these places so that they can be seen and so that they can be promoted um, and and help sell some books and and get some appearances. So, and Creative Edge has made it possible for us to have this lovely video platform and for our audio platform, which I'm sure I will remember to update uh, later on tonight mm -hmm. after the show, uh, after drink number two, I'm sure I, I won't forget that. Um, so anyhow, thank you so much to Creative Edge. We really appreciate it. And I'm very, very excited for the show tonight because not only do I have my favorite, Miss Katie Salidas, but we have two absolute badasses here down on the screen. I don't know how to point on this program. Below oh. me, we have Catherine Hudson and Christina Rienzi. Welcome to the show, Hi, ladies. Now, Thank you. You guys have both been on before, but never at the same time, I don't think. I don't no, think so. this is new. I don't think I've actually even met you officially yet, so this is nice. No, Ooh. through email. That was about it. But yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Regine said something. Splink. What does that mean? Is yeah, that like spilling ink? Like, like we're some kind of a Hollywood power couple. Oh, that's Ooh, cool. Spank. I like it. I like it. That I, is cool. It sounds kind of dirty and weird, but okay, I'm going to go with it. Just I'm going to go with it. Um, yeah. So, and and I was saying before we before we went on the air that I'm really. What is that? What is that noise? Do you guys hear that? It's haunted. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was like haunted. a truck going by. That was weird. Yeah, but so I've I've read all of these ladies' books and they are all fantastic. So this is going to be an exciting show. And even though I know them, I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you. Let's do any, 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 mini, miny, mo, catch an author by her toe. If she hollers, let her go. Any, mini, miny. Catherine goes first. Okay. <laughs> Glad I got that out of the way. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was intense. <laughs> For introducing myself, is that a... Yes, that's what we're doing. Excellent, good. All right, I'm Catherine Hudson. I write dark fiction across the board, predominantly grim dark uh, fantasy and dystopian sci-fi. I also uh, most recently have been writing uh, a lot more LGBTQ and queer speculative fiction. So that is the realm that I inhabit. Wait. What? You wouldn't write that. Uh, no. Try me. <laughs> Big surprise. Big surprise. Um, and I I have an upcoming book release. We were just talking about that, too. So uh, sticking out, that out there. It's the uh, second book in my 
LGBTQ Serpent Sci Fi Blue Helix series. Sleepwater Static is out on May 26th. That's soon. Yeah. Congratulations. It's coming. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about the Sleepwater series in, in more depth here. Uh Rebecca. The the comments already are are, are getting fun. Good Sorry. Morning. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about the, the Sleepwater series because I am I am uh, a legitimate fangirl for the for the series. Um, um but let's let uh, Christina introduce herself in that. Sure. Um, Christina Rienzi and I write new adult thrillers in several different genres from paranormal sci-fi to domestic thrillers. My latest book was Among Us, um, which ended up being an audible 2018 ACX University book that was um, used to help authors um, just come up with and work through the audiobook process, which was really cool, um, and also an editor select pick. So that was exciting. So I'm in the audiobook realm now, and I actually have a second audiobook, Winter Road, um, out of all my um, my seven stories. Two of them are audio. So I'm really excited about the audible, uh, audible and audiobook world here, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. You're you're very welcome. And um, the the audiobook for Among Us was phenomenal. That narrator narrator was amazing. <laughs> He was oh. he was a pick from Audible. Really went on the hunt for a good a good one, and he, and they picked. Um, well, they got it down, and then I went through and picked him. But yeah, it was a it was um, a great pick. He's he's amazing, Louis Arlt. He's um he's actually an Emmy award winning director and writer as well as an actor, um, and he does audiobooks. So he was he was a good one. That's awesome. Awesome. Can you what? share with us a little bit about the process of working with ACX? Yeah, it was really cool. Actually, I went through the process of going to Audible Studios and going um, and learning about how to produce an audiobook right there in the studios. And we did a video series. But um, yeah, for me, it was my first time. So I was kind of like clueless and nervous and had no idea what I was dealing with. But um, I will say that they made it really easy. And, you know, basically the most difficult part, which is really about um, preference because it is your book and you're picking, um, you know, this narrator that's going to really be somebody who's telling your story and you hope the way that you want it told with the right tone and the right um, passion for your characters, picking that narrator. And that's um, actually the piece of the puzzle that we went through in terms of, um, you know, having the education series was really about picking the narrator. And I will say, in, you know, when you go on loading your scripts, all of that stuff, the technical stuff is really easy. It steps you right through on ACX. You know, it's there's there's no secret or mystery there when you go on the platform. But the hardest part is picking that person. And it takes a lot of time. It took a lot more time than I thought. It was listening to auditions um, and really just getting a feel for it. And I think at the end of the day, the part that you really are focusing on, which you're not thinking, I mean, at first it's so exciting to hear somebody, right, that's reading your book. But at the end of the day, what you're really trying to do is find somebody that captures your characters and your story the way that you want. And it's about a feeling. It's just knowing. And I will tell you, I listened to a ton of auditions and I just knew it was one of those things where I got down to like, you know, the top five. And I was like, I just knew like I heard him. And the minute he started speaking, I like lost my breath. Like, you know, you just go this is it. I think this is, I think this is the one. And I just listened to the other ones, but it's just, you, you know, you know, your story, you know, your characters, right? So um, yeah, I mean, that's the part I think that takes the most of out of you because you're really, it's not just, um, you know, like a black and white step-by-step -step process that, that part's easy, but it's picking that person. It's an emotional experience that I think every author should, should go through. 
Now, would would any of you ever pay an audiobook narrator, or do you go only for 50-50? I have paid my audiobook narrator for, um, well, he, he narrated the first book in the Unclaimed trilogy, Sanctuary of Nellen, and will be narrating the Helix series as well. And he's also get he's also gathering a um, a cast <laughs> to do character voices for these. Holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be really fun. Um, wow! And he also happens to be a friend of mine from high school. We reconnected uh, because he read my books and <laughs> wanted to be a part of it. That's exciting. So yeah, it's really really fun. And uh, so far, what we what we've worked out. So it's been you know. Um, I guess private business. We haven't gone through um, ACX or, you know, I have uploaded the files that he sends me to um, uh, to the different audiobook platforms, but that is how, that's the only way I've done it so far. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That worked out very well for me and I also totally uh, I think the experience of interviewing narrators for my own work would be <laughs> it would be grueling and also mm -hmm. like really exciting and i would probably cringe a lot mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which which i do anyway i mean like the sometimes the idea of reading my own my own work out loud myself makes me cringe but i, mm -hmm. I work through it yeah i i had an audition once that was a um a British woman reading for one of my books and I wanted her so badly to be the, the producer, but it, I, I couldn't because it wasn't based in the UK or anything. It was all mm -hmm. Americana, so, but I was so mad because she was amazing. And I love that, that uh, British accent so much. Mm. Oh, sad days. So now you have to write a book for a British accent. Oh man. I, I feel like that might be a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was the universe telling you you need a British book. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then she'll be there. She'll be there waiting <laughs> to narrate it for you. Perfectly. Get, get on it, Jason. Get on it. Well, Re Regine has a has a question that I was actually going to ask you, Christina. His question is: What's a domestic thriller? Good question. So a domestic thriller is involves a family. So it has to do with relationships. It's really like a relationship thriller. It would really be either between us. A, you know, a, a romantic relationship. So husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, a family, sister, siblings, children and parents. So anything that has to do with family um, and or like close relationships. And it, it is dealing with something extraordinary that happens in an ordinary situation in like an ordinary course of life. And then something extraordinary happens. And that's where the thriller piece comes in. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. I like it. I like it. Um, now... I, I know that I asked you this before when we when we recorded for the Raven. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a second here before I ask ask my question. Go Wendy now has a question here. What character characteristic in an audio narrator were you looking for when choosing tone, pace, mm -hmm. the right inflection of on your words or something else? Um, is that a question for me? So I'll go. I'll or anyone who would like it. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I was looking for um, 
specifically because my book, um, the book that I originally did in the audiobook for was Among Us, which is a government conspiracy thriller and also has sci-fi elements. So I really wanted somebody that um, could speak to the dark tone of the story and also um, have just that air of a foreboding. And that was really going to be blended through all the characters. And I also wanted somebody that could do women, um, females and males, um, you know, the voices of my characters well, um, and had a sense of... Um, you know, being able to do young and older, because I had all different ages in my book as well as um, gender. So I just, I was looking for that. But technically, um, you know, really thinking about like when I'm listening to the voice specifically, I wanted somebody who had um, just a strong um, foreboding dark tone to the whole, really set the stage of the whole story. And I think Jason, you listened to it and that Lewis did a fantastic job with that. No oh, matter yeah. what character he was playing, you felt like you were in a scene, like you really felt like it was um, just all around you. Like I wanted to be there. You know, I wanted to be there in the story. And that's that was really important to me. And, and many of the narrators did a fantastic job, but missed it a little. I mean, I'm talking by like a sliver yeah. and it was enough of a, a thing that was noticeable enough to me when I heard him. See, I didn't know what was missing until I heard him. Okay. And when I heard him, I'm like, that's what I have. That's heard the magic of. right there. And I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was, but I knew that he knew every one of my characters so well and he got it. It was just, it was like my, my intuition just, I just knew. And that was just, that's something that you just, you know your characters well enough that you know what, you might not know exactly what it's called at the time. You might, you could put it out there and say, oh, I want this kind of tone and this kind of accent, this kind of attitude and all of this stuff. But until you actually hear it come through and it's your character that you wrote, it's, it's just a feeling. You yeah, know, you'll you gotta know feel it. You know. mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think it's Emotionally. that, uh, that's, that's the, that X factor that, you know, they can do everything perfectly, but there's that one uh, that one uh, variable that's up in the air, and if they yeah. can nail that, they nail it. Um, I, I've I, I love the dark and for, foreboding. Uh, uh, I words already, you know, after only one drink. Right. <laughs> Have another drink. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, it, it, and that's what I look for in, in all my narrators. Only only with uh, you know female voices, and um, I I love all of them. That I that I get auditions from, I, I really do because everyone does such a, a great job. But yeah, there's there's always just one or two that's like, oh yeah, they're really. I mean, you can tell they really read the manuscript. Yes, and they're and like, they oh, understood. they're yeah, they're connecting mm -hmm. with it. Well, now, when I have you, when you oh, write ahead. though, we, we talked about this a couple shows ago. When you write, sometimes you hear the characters in your head. Yes, yeah, sure. And so yeah, when you write it, you you write it with that in mind. Sure. And so there's got to be that element of, of the narrator is reading it and, and reading that same character voice you heard in your head. Yes. And that was what was hard because what's in your head. And if you don't hear it, you're like, mm. and I don't want to put, you know, you don't want to just like totally discredit somebody who isn't getting exactly what's in your head. because It's not your head. It's their head. But I think when you find that right person, they got that. You know, it wasn't exactly, like, there were some that weren't exactly what I was thinking, but they were close enough and they were good enough. But it, it is, it's the emotion. It's like, I go strictly on intuition and emotion. If I, when I like took a breath in, when I heard it, I'm like, this is the one. Like, I didn't really even need to hear anything more than the first like page. And I'm like, this is, and I listened to the whole thing, of course, but you just know, I'm like, the, it, it's him. Like, I just knew, I just trust. And I trust my gut. That's like a huge thing for me. And I just, I trust my intuition so much. So you have to just, you know, trust that you're picking the right person for your book. Uh, I have a, a, a question for all three of you because uh, Christina and, and uh, Catherine, you, 
both of your your recent books have kind of large casts in them. Uh, there's there's yeah. a lot of characters, and uh, and Katie, you've you've written so many books that you have a gazillion characters. When, when you're when you're actually writing a novel, and this, and this is for anyone who wants to pick it up, how are you? How are you keeping track of your characters and their voices in your head and staying true to them? Because I will, you know, if, if I put something down for, you know, a couple of weeks or a month, and then I tried to get back into it with a character that's like, oh my gosh, I've forgotten part of this character's voice or something like that. So how do you, how do you keep yourself going if, you, if you've got a big cast of characters and how do you keep them straight? I feel like I won't have a very helpful answer because I don't... <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't do anything specific. Um, I have had, you know, a few, a few sheets of listing off the characters, but it's always to remember their name mm -hmm. in the beginning. And the minute I remember the name, the minute I have them there, but I, I always try to, as much as possible, make sure that every single character I'm inserting into a piece is there for a reason um, that the scene would change or you know a minor plot point would change if I took them out and that applies for you know the two dozen different people who showed up at a party mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they're all there for a reason so if I mention them they're there as as markers. Um, that, that party that party was awesome, by the way. Oh, thank you. That party, <laughs> it was that kind of party. <laughs> it was that kind of party. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I personally have not ever found the difficulty with um, connecting to my own characters and keeping them straight when there are so many of them, just because I think from the very, very beginning, I know what I want this person to do and I know what I want this person to do and I write them so different from each other on purpose um, because what, what I'm trying to do is write differences and, and how they are similar and where people connect. So when you're starting from a broader base of why would these 10 people be in a room together? <laughs> um, you're starting off, um, I'm starting off with, you know, individualizing them already. And that tends to make it a lot easier for me. Um, so I don't really have, <laughs> I guess that that's how I do it. <laughs> I'm making them different on purpose. That's a good answer. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and, it's, and it's interesting to me how like every book and every character, like the way we do things is as unique as we are. And I always oh, yeah. love talking to other authors because I'm like, well, we do a little bit of the same, but some different and it's just neat to just see how people do things mm -hmm. um and I, just for me i mean i like i i'll go specifically with this last book although i do everything the same way i think of like what kind of personality they have i come um a lot what well, my background is in psychology and um i so i come in with that in mind so i always think like of the psychology of the person what kind of person they are what and i don't go into like a character sheet or do too much of that um i just have a couple of notes but i think about like who are they what's important to them what kind of um person are they at least in the beginning and then i let them show me who they are um but yeah i mean i think they're not there's enough similarity between them kind of like what Catherine was saying that they are all, you know, there's, they, they have a lot of, there's a crossover characteristics, but there are very unique characteristics about each of them. There's like one or two things that makes them exactly who they are and you know who they are in the book. And um, I, those are the things that I pick out. Like I know who everybody is and what that specific 
trait is or personality trait or behavior or the thing about them that makes them who they are. And, and if I could describe them in a line, um, that's kind of what I start with. And then again, I let them show me uh, through writing, but yeah, that's kind of, that's how I keep them straight. But I I'm with you, Jason. It's like some books I'll write and I put aside and I go back and I'm like, where was I? Who are they? And then once I start reading what I wrote, it's like, I remember who they are and I get back into them. Um, and, but a lot of times it really is as simple as like, I'm like old fashioned with the pad and, and pen and I'll just write some notes down about like, what kind of person they are, who are they, what's important to them, and try and just make that come out in their dialogue and actions throughout the story. Well, and I, I'm at a point with my work in progress right now where I don't, it's, it's, it's going to sound ridiculous, but there are some characters that I don't actually know what they look like. I only know their personalities and their backstory. And and so I'm, I'm writing for who they are, but at some point <laughs> we're going to have to actually create the physical body around them as well. But I just, I feel like I know them really well. I just, I can't picture them. I just, I picture their personalities. You know, it's, it's, it's a strange thing. And your readers will put them together, which is kind of nice. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, in some cases, you don't need that full physical description right. because you've got the personality shining yeah. through. So just, you know, a small detail or two might be all you need mm -hmm. about that character and the, the reader will envision them. True. And, and I think sometimes maybe that's a little bit better. Uh, mm -hmm. When the when the reader gets to do it that, and, and and you know Joe has just thrown down a a challenge uh, here. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure what the purpose of this was. But and it, <laughs> I mean, congratulations can, to us, we, Joe. If you want, we can revisit the you know do you stand up or sit down to wipe conversation. That was a fan favorite. Oh, um, oh even God. though I can't imagine standing up. Um, I guess some people do it. I mean, do no, we want to get into it? wasn't standing or sitting. It was wiping front to back or back to front. That oh, that's right. Started. Yeah. And, and yeah. one of them wiped back to front. And I was like, oh, don't do that. Don't <laughs> like, ever do that. Put the toilet paper. Like, is it, is it like rolling forward or underneath? That's a, like, people get upset about that. Oh yeah. It's under every time. Fighting. Under. <laughs> I have, I have been yelled at at one point for, for being a, water and not a folder oh paper. well you see and you know it depends on the type of toilet paper like we use ex <laughs> extra soft stuff here at home so you could just fold it a little bit but at work it's crap <laughs> toilet paper so you gotta wad that shit up <laughs> otherwise it's bad <laughs> And oh. but now you can't get any toilet paper, so we can just. Uh... That's, that's true. That's, that's true. You gotta use that's, baby wipes or something. <laughs> that's the whole reason I wanted to go back to work after quarantine was so I could get toilet paper. Oh, again. Right. <laughs> the positives. The positives. Uh, oh, so, uh, Catherine. Um, yeah. The Blue Helix series. Now, I yeah. I have heard you try to describe this before, and I felt like it didn't it wasn't enough because maybe it was just me that reacted to this book like this, but I was so absorbed and blown away by, by both of these. And I'm not just trying to pump you up. I was like into the Sleepwater books, you know, tell us about Sleepwater beat and, and uh, oh my God, Justin Woodward. He is the, the back to fronter. Justin, <laughs> you've been called out. My friend, we were just talking about you. Back to fronter. <laughs> oh 
my gosh. Okay, but any Catherine, could you could you could you try to tell us about the the uh, Blue Helix series? The Blue Helix series. Yeah, so uh, as I said, this is um, LGBTQ dystopian sci-fi. Um, and <laughs> Sorry, Justin. <laughs> Someone's learned their lesson. Someone <laughs> Better late than never. <laughs> yes. The poop doesn't need to be there. Who knew? <laughs> Sorry. Anyhow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> See what Joe started this. It's all Joe's fault. Oh, uh, okay. We're having a serious conversation, people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> can everyone can everyone see these things coming up? Yeah. Like live on the show. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, there are a bunch of people sitting here like okay. <laughs> And that's our, our, our audio audience for our podcast is uh, why we just burst into five minutes of straight laughter for yeah. no reason. Yeah, I'm not reading them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. on topic. we can do this. Okay, all right, excellent. Where was I? <laughs> you were talking about Blue Helix. Um, Yes, so this is this is my LGBTQ dystopian sci-fi series. Um, book two, like I said, is coming out very very soon this month. Um, and originally, I wrote this as just one book. Sleep Water Beat was just supposed to be one book, one story. Um, and I've finished it and realized that it wasn't over, and I wasn't I wasn't done with the story or the characters, and I had a lot more to say through um, this group called Sleepwater and their journey through this dystopian world. It's like, you know, what our world very well could be in some respects in another 15 years, um, which is very, <laughs> very scary for me. I, I mean, I wrote, I wrote Sleepwater Beat, the first book, right before uh, the 2016 elections. And, um, it was kind of a terrifying reflection at the same time mm -hmm. to see everything that I that I had mm -hmm. <laughs> pulled out of thin air from my brain starting to appear physically in our world uh, mm -hmm. across across the the board. So, uh, Sleepwater Beat um, was the first book where I ever really wrote so much of myself into a character. Leo Tiefler is the main character. And, She's basically me plus uh, how much I wish I didn't care about what people think of me. So um, she's got so many of my past experiences, all of my background, a lot of the darkness and a lot of the struggle, probably most of it. Um, and, and just, I put myself in there and it wasn't on purpose at first and it wasn't, uh, I wasn't trying to say, hey, I'm going to write this fictional story about my life. I just had all these experiences that I was able to put into her as a character, um, which then I think lent so much to the reality of her story and her experiences. Um, despite the fact that this is, you know, dystopian sci-fi and the sci-fi part being um, where certain people have a, a supernatural ability, so to speak, um, where they they elicit physical responses in people who hear them speak with a certain kind of word. 
and I call it the beat. And so it's like superpowers, like X-Men, but with talking and telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was Sleepwater Beat. It's hard to put it all in a nutshell, um, but I, I had also wanted to um, highlight a lot of um, marginalized communities with Sleepwater Beat in the first book. And so, you know, pulling from my own experience, I touched on um, drug addiction and drug abuse and broken homes and suicide. And then, you know, dove into the LGBTQ community, dove into <laughs> drug dealing and black market trading. Um, only, a few, only a few of these uh, are from my past life as myself before I grew up. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I dove into, I, I had some characters who were homeless and who were living on the fringes and, um, you know, communities of people that we don't see a lot of, that I don't see a lot of, especially um, when we're talking about queer fiction and having queer characters and, and putting it all together. Um, I wanted to see more of these things in speculative fiction all combined uh, without taking these normally uh, these these groups of people or marginalized communities where for the majority at least in speculative fiction so many of them are you know take a drug dealer <laughs> or you know a homeless person and oh they're crazy they're the bad guy they're you know this and that and I uh, all of these things are gray and there is no black and white. And I wanted to you know, highlight the absurdity of discrimination across the board. Um, well, and you did it, you did it in a way that, uh, that V, uh, v would say is, is more casual, like casual queer. Uh, but all of these issues you brought up as, as if they were just things that exist without, you know, this big flashing sign pointing at, I'm saying, look, I'm an author and I'm highlighting homelessness or I'm highlighting, you know, queer culture. You just did it. And it was just there and it was smooth. And it was, you know, the both of those books were the type of books that you finish reading it and you're just like, damn. And, and it, it's like something opens a little bit in you. Um, because you you've learned something and you've actually experienced something. And I've got to tell you guys, I, I mean anything you could want out of a thriller, you know, you've got sex and violence and darkness and, and great emotional stuff and incredible uh, characterization and, and connection between the characters. And it's just, they are beautiful, beautiful books. Um, so if, if you haven't read them, man, you've, you have got to, because it, it is mind blowing. It really is. Oh, um, thank you, Jason. That's, I love to hear that. That's, that's wonderful. Um, that makes me really happy, and I will say, as as you as you have noticed, uh, because you have read both books, book two, Sleepwater Static, is uh, quite a bit different in pace and high octane activities. <laughs> Sleepwater Beat is explosions and fistfights, and Sleepwater Static is languishing. <laughs> Can we say a mind fuck on this show? Have we ever said that before? Well, we just did. So okay. there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, so now we've said it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But um, good. Excellent. I'll take that. that. If that's what they are, then uh, then I'm doing something right. I'm doing something right. It was it was really important for me, I think, which is part of why I wanted to advance this series and continue the story beyond the fact that um, 
the story wasn't finished after Sleepwater Beat was because I, I realized that I had um, left out an entire uh, community of marginalized people when in Sleepwater Beat, I didn't approach race at all. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had uh, one um, Chinese American character and that was about it. Um, and well, you, uh, you delved more into social and, and societal issues too in, mm -hmm. in Sleepwater Static as as well yeah. as racism. But the oh man, I mean I could I could seriously talk about this book for a long time because I know I wrote you a whole page on, on my, my thoughts on it. But I'll, I'll tell you what, the 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 things that you described were so the the things how you wrote it, how you wrote your your subtle racism and not so subtle racism and discrimination was so much like people that I've interviewed have described mm. discrimination to me because I I've, I've never experienced that myself, but it was just so fricking spot on. Uh, um, and I don't you. know if you did, you did a crap load of research or if it was all just from inside your head, but it was, I mean, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. I definitely had a sensitivity reader. Um, and and quite a few beta readers because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't crossing the bounds. But uh, very much like Bernadette Manny, his main character in Sleep Aesthetic, I have spent time living in the South. Um, my husband's from South Carolina, and his whole family lives there. And um, we lived there for several years, and we were married there. On uh, who's, who's screaming? Everyone can hear my child bedtime, <laughs> and my husband's taking care of it. <laughs> we he's, can ignore the scream. Doing a great job. <laughs> he's a fantastic. He's a fantastic dad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time um, in the South, and we go back there quite a bit, and we have family there, and, and we were married on his family's ancestral land which as it turns out actually once was a working plantation which is very strange to come into after having uh, grown up in Colorado which you know the it's so incredibly different it was huge culture shock when I moved out there um but I the things that I wrote about in Sleepwater Static are things that were a combination of what I have personally seen and what I have personally uh, stood up against to family members and close friends. And um, and then, you know, of course, mixed with, with my brain and the story and, and how these things would play out. And I had a great time spending so much time in the head of a 71-year-old woman who is just tough as nails and so, so badass. <laughs> Can we touch on the topic real quick? because you mentioned sensitivity reader. And I think that's mm -hmm. something that's kind of important, especially in today's marketplace. And yes. this goes for, for the three of you. Um, you've already said you've used a sensitivity reader. Can you explain that? And then for the other two, have you used that or considered using that type of reader? Yes, I can answer that. Um, so, I mean, honestly, what I did is I just- uh, You crack me up, Kay. What? What did I do? Yes, I can answer that. Yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, let me leave this up for you. You will be entertained. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I just put a, a shout out on Twitter, actually, that, you know, with a few well-placed hashtags that said, hey, I'm looking for sensitivity readers. Um, these are 
the characters that I have and their characteristics that um, are beyond my personal experiential knowledge base. Um, and, and I had quite a few. Um, and then I had, I actually had a pretty decent response. It wasn't overwhelming. I had to go through so many, but I found, um, I found a fantastic company that they, they do editing and sensitivity reading and that whole entire process with, um, you know, checking them out and getting a quote from them and, and looking through the different sensitivity readers that they had who, uh, worked with various topics and were searching for various topics and had, you know, wide range of expertise. Um, it was really great to see because this, this was the first time that I had been writing so far outside of the realm of what I had personally experienced myself. You know, I mean, um, I wrote a, everything about the main character of Sleepwater Beat came from me and I knew that it was all authentic because I had been through all of it. Um, and the the only things I have in common with the main character in Sleep Butter Static is that um, I'm a white woman who has also lived in the South and given birth to a child. Um, I mean, there are a few other things, but that, that's really, that's really the majority of it. And so. You don't think um, the, beat, the beat is similar, anything like that? My beat, well, <laughs> if we're talking about when, when you're reading my book. <laughs> she yeah, has okay. the best but, beat ever. <laughs> um, sorry, Bernadette, sorry. Bernadette's super power, now that we're talking about this inside joke, I guess. Um, she, she, when she spins a beat, she makes people uh, physically and sexually excited. And they can't help it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's something that she uses very much to her advantage and very much to her downfall, as you shall see. Um, Rebecca, did you hear that? Did you hear that beat? <laughs> she can make people go through it. And it, I mean, it's both wonderful and horrible. That's mm -hmm. all I can say. It's just mind blowing. The, the first time in Sleepwater Static and I was like, holy shit, Catherine, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then at the same time, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> Excellent, excellent, and that's where that's where I want to go with these books. That's, that's where that's I want to take it to the place of like what <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, but back to sensitivity readers, because I do think that's a, an incredibly, incredibly important thing uh, for authors to reach out to as a resource. Because the last thing we want to do when we're writing diverse casts of characters is to um, that just totally distracted me. Absolutely lost my. <laughs> sorry, we don't sorry, want Mickey. to be. We, we don't want to be misrepresenting anyone. We don't want to be, you know, perpetuating harmful stereotypes, and we don't want to be making fools of ourselves by putting something out there that is just completely wrong and off the mark, and that you know discredits an entire book, which it very well can do. Um, sensitive, sensitivity readers are incredibly important and it absolutely made my day when I got the feedback returned from my sensitive, sensitivity reader. I can't say that. Um, and she, she told me that everything was great and even picked out like six different things um, 
that she thought I had done especially well that she had never seen before, or, you know, that I had gone the other direction of, of scenes or character arcs that particularly frustrated her a lot. And I was really happy about that. Um, because I, I, <laughs> I cried a lot writing this book because I wanted it to do exactly what apparently I think it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was fantastic. And Christina, I, I know we, we've, Talked to Catherine for a while about uh, about her book. Do you do you want to touch on the sensitivity re reader issue at all? And then I'd really like to hear uh, more about Among Us or whatever uh, of your books you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because um, I I never have used one. I absolutely would. I think it is important, and all the points Catherine made are good ones. Um, and I think just you know over the last couple of years, especially just having been pregnant and having a baby, like I haven't been writing or even doing as much as I want to do. I know we all have these goals and mine have kind of like fallen to the wayside with the baby, but um, certainly, um, you know, the, the way that the, um, just the way that things have changed in terms of what services are available to authors and things that authors are thinking about. I'm so proud to be a part of that community. And I think this is something that falls in that category where, um, you know, years ago, we just go about writing and you're thinking, oh, I need an editor or anything. And you're not, and you're not doing anything purposely or even trying to, I mean, of course you don't want to offend. You don't want to, you want things to be authentic and you're trying as hard as you can. And listen, we're human. We make mistakes. And I'm sure there's something I've written about something and it probably is New Jersey that's offended somebody and I live in New Jersey, but I'm sure because, you know, or, uh, but, but at the end of the day, you do want to do your, you, you want, you want to do the human, um, race justice and you want to make sure people are definitely represented um you know in an accurate way and when you don't to Catherine's point have that life experience relying on others who have is important so i absolutely love the idea of using that i would absolutely use one i think my goal is always to entertain and inspire i don't want um you know maybe get scared along the way too but i i absolutely would never do anything that would be purposeful to offend anyone. And so um, I'm always open. And I am just one of those people just because I don't know if I like to torture myself or what, but I'm open to like all the negative bad feedback that anybody ever had. It's like my skin is really thick and I just want to do better and better and better. And I think having a sensitivity reader and people who can give you honest feedback about your work and being able to say, you know what, I need to fix that. Um, I think that's what makes us human and makes us people who want to do better and grow and develop. And that's certainly who I am. And I, I would absolutely be open to that. So yeah. And Catherine, um, it was interesting. you talking about the process you went through and I wouldn't have even known where to go except maybe my writing groups and friends of mine, but I love the idea of a company that does this too. Um, and that's important for authors to know, like, Hey, if you can't find somebody, cause listen, we're all so busy. Everybody's reading other people's stuff. I mean, people have day jobs. We have families, like there's so much going on, like to, have a company that you can actually go to is great. So I'm mm -hmm. glad you mentioned that because that's something I never would even thought was out there as yeah. a resource for us. So, uh, Katie, what about you? Have you ever uh, have you ever used a sensitivity reader or, or thought about it? I, I haven't, but I've thought about it because it, it seems, especially in the last few years, that there's a lot of things that can trigger people, can really upset people, and even if it's not intentional. Um, it can really hurt a writer in their career to to have something that's out there and published that is getting a negative reaction from the marketplace. Yeah. 
And I uh, I haven't used a sensitivity reader before, but I'm act my my super secret video project um, is actually something I'm doing for uh, my po my podcast, Unafraid, and it's going to be a um, kind of a, a short documentary on sex workers in the queer community. And so, in going into this, I've had to learn a lot more than than I did. And so I have actually about a half a dozen people that are giving me advice and, and advising me on, on how to mm -hmm. write things correctly, how to ask things correctly, so that mm -hmm. not only can I get the responses that, I, that I'm looking for, but so that I'm being respectful to people because mm -hmm. it's, it's a world that I don't know anything about. I, I, haven't, I haven't occupied that space personally. And so I think sensitivity readers and sensitivity anything even if it's just somebody you know that would be comfortable with talking to you about something i think it's a fantastic idea um i, I really do you know we mm -hmm. we don't always write what we we know we don't always talk mm -hmm. about what we know we make stuff up as we go but yeah if you if you feel like it might be questionable that's usually a a pretty good indicator that hey mm -hmm. maybe i should reach out and <laughs> get some more information yeah. on this. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and that's sort of your due diligence as an author. I mean, you you go through the, the story and do all your research to write the story. Um, finding, you know, sensitivity readers is, is kind of part of that process now. And, and it doesn't have to be a company. It can be reaching out to people mm -hmm. within the community that you're writing about to see how they take the work. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and I don't mean to, to jump subjects, even though that's what I'm known for, but um, I do want to kind of circle back around to Christina here, and uh, I'd, I'd like to hear more about uh, about Among Us or or whatever you'd like to tell us about your your newest book. Yeah, I mean, we can. I talk about Among Us. It's um, it's okay. on my mind nowadays. With I loved Among Us, by the way. Going on. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, it's um, it's about a um, a Jersey Shore blogger. She's actually um, a professor by day, a blogger by night. She blogs about aliens, and she's an English professor, so she's got kind of a, a dual world going on. And she gets caught up in a deadly government conspiracy. And um, the point of of me writing that was really I wanted to explore the what ifs. I, I watch a lot of TV around um, just conspiracy theories and um, things that happened years ago that like from the Freedom of Information Act information that's come out in the public that people question and wonder, you know, why is the government hiding this and what's really going on? And it is around um, the existence of extraterrestrials. And, um, you know, it was just something I wanted to explore. And I, you know, I my whole theme in life in the way I live my life, but also how I read, I write my books and what I kind of, I go with what I, what makes me want to write what I write is cause I am a big proponent of like, I don't know everything. <laughs> I mean, I don't know a lot, but I definitely don't know everything and I'm okay with that. And I want to explore things. I want to question things. I want to um, be able to admit that I don't know it all and that maybe I never will. And not just me, I mean, as a human species, we don't know everything. And I like the idea of thinking anything is possible um, and why not question things. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I went with that, just going, you know, hey, we really don't know. And why don't we question these things and, and explore them? Because that's what makes life interesting and makes, you know, life worth living when you're kind of just going, what if this and what if that? And then, of course, as a storyteller, you want to turn it into a story. But in real life, I'm always thinking, what if, what if, what if? And what about this? And I try and I also the thing I try to do, which is difficult because we all have our opinions, right? We come from a place of an opinion because we're human and we judge. <laughs> 
we're judging. We're all judging. But and and I mean that in a very respectful way. Like I don't judge people for people, but I we judge everything that we everything that we look at, we're judging, right? And so you have an opinion and you have a stance, even if it's a positive opinion or a stance. And I like to see from both sides. Like, why would someone do that thing that they do that I think is terrible? Who are they? What are they going through? What are they experiencing? And I try to look at it objectively because that's just the way my brain works. And in doing that, it helps me write the stories I write because I can get into the evil guy's head and go, evil guy, are you really, no, you're not totally evil, you're human. But why did you do that? What? And, and even if the thing you did, I don't agree with at all, because obviously I don't agree with all the bad stuff that goes on in my books. I want to know them for a few minutes. I want to live inside them for a few minutes. And just like Catherine said, we are our characters. We are all our characters because we are only operating from our frame of reference, right? So we are them and we get inside them. And that's a scary thought. You know, like I kill people in my books. Like I would never do that in real life, but it's like those parts of us exist, right? They exist. That darkness is there. And it could be for me, at least the way I see it is as a way of dealing with things. So I went through something, whatever that something is, it might not be exactly what's in my book, but I'm going through it again in my story and I'm working it out. I'm working it out. It's like my therapy, right? And I hope that if somebody reads a story and goes, I'm working it out too. So I kind of, that's kind of the, the stance I come from. But yeah, this whole book was about the truth. Do we know it? Should we know it? You know, do we and should we? And if we did, are we okay with it? Like, do I really want to know? Yeah. I, I mean, me, I'm going to say I want to know. But then the other part of me is like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> the human in me is like, I don't know that I really want to know that. Like, I do want to know it. But do I like, so I'm volleying with myself all the time because the stuff I think is so cool and interesting and awesome. If it actually happened, I might freak out. So it's like, well, that's and, where I want to go in my story. I want to pit somebody against themselves. Well, and, and I, I think goes. that we want to know too, as long as the truth isn't too drastic. Like it's the whole red pool, red pill, blue pill in the matrix True. kind of thing. We don't want that kind of reality. But, you know, we, we want to know, oh, yeah, aliens have, have visited Tibet a couple times. Yeah, that'd be awesome to know. But, awesome. you know, we, we don't want to know something really heavy duty. Like, some like of it's the... my neighbor. <laughs> right, <know> right. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> one of the... Like, one of... I don't need to know that. <laughs> and I need to know, like, that's kind of cool. Like, oh, yeah. But, like, not that they're running the government. Like, I don't want to know that. <laughs> well, one of the things that I thought was really cool too, and among us, is that we weren't we weren't just uh, you know living through our our main character, our our blogger's point of view. Is that we did get to see, um, and I can't remember her neighbor's name, but we we got to see Lou. some Lou. We got to see some stuff from uh, Lou, and then also from the 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 bad guy, and yeah. uh, and I thought that that really added a lot more intrigue to it because all of a sudden, boom, we're in his head. And I'm like, mm -hmm. uh Oh, some, something bigger. As soon as we got in his head, I knew something bigger was going on. Cause like mm -hmm. she wouldn't be showing me this unless, mm -hmm. <laughs> unless something serious was, was going to drop. So I thought that was a, a really cool thing. And I, I think that it also kind of blurs the line between what people think of as the good guy and the bad guy, because, yeah. you know, really, it's just about perspective, you know, yes. and we've mm -hmm. talked about that here yeah. before, you know, whose perspective yeah. are you looking at it through? Well, <laughs> right. yeah. And I wanted everybody to be a little bit of both, 
and there were some that were obviously more than the others. Uh, I mean, you needed you need an antagonist, but um, some were you know partly part antagonists, not completely. You know, um, but yeah, it's just because every we're all so we're all more than three dimensional. We're like a million dimensions, right? And there's so many levels to all of us and who we are and how we show up in the world. And I want my characters as best as I can, and it's not an easy feat, as we know as writers, to show that. You know, to be able to show themselves in all those lights and to be able to, in one area, I can relate to you and I can understand where you're coming from. And in another area, I don't know what you were thinking, you know, because that's the way people are, you know. And if you really knew people the way that we get to see them in a book, you mm. would think the same thing. Like, what mm -hmm. the heck? Why would you do something like that? I thought you mm -hmm. were Mr. Nice Guy, you know. It's like, no, everybody's all those things. Um, some to more extremes than the other. So yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to go and, and doing it through the lens of something that was intriguing and terrifying was my way of kind of dealing with that. We don't really know who, who people are. And we don't, we don't really know the truth. Yeah. And I think to think we do, in my opinion, is putting blinders on because we really don't know. And that's why I say question everything. Don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you see. Don't believe it all. Question it. Use your life experience and your intuition to guide you because not everything that you see is true. Well, and and we it, just it, don't know. And it, and it goes even with, with people that you meet. You know, we all have people in this world um, that, you know, either we like this person, you know, we're indifferent or we don't care for this person. You know, I've had, um, you know, coworkers before that I, I really didn't care for that person. Um, however... You know, it's and, it, and it's a thousand different memes and sayings that we all go through shit differently. But, um, you know, once you find out a little bit more about people, sometimes we start to understand the way they why they behave the way they behave, sure. um, why mm -hmm. they speak the way they speak. And um, when you understand someone's trauma or someone's mm -hmm. background, I, I think that, um, you know, that's mm -hmm. an important thing for us human beings, you know, and yes. You know, one of one of my author friends, uh, Michael Brent Collings, uh, you know, has has told me uh, before um, that he he doesn't think that acceptance is the key to everything. That we shouldn't all just accept everything. That our our goal should mm -hmm. be to understand yeah. instead of that, because we that we don't we, you don't have to love everything, but no. if you can understand, I think that you're going to be a much richer and more round well rounded mm -hmm. human, um, mm -hmm. and that's. And that, that's yeah. a that's a huge thing, and especially for our characters. And I, I thought you did that really well in um, Among Us. And another one, I'm I'm going to keep harping on this one for everyone who hasn't read it yet, because it is a, probably one of my favorite books in the last mm -hmm. decade. Is Victoria Schwab vicious? Mm -hmm. You just need to read that it is a masterpiece of character development especially if we want to talk about blurring the lines between good and bad yeah. Yeah. um but yeah and and that is just one of the coolest thing when when someone can actually say you know i am kind of rooting for the bad guy but what well, you, yeah it's about empathy right like we have yeah. to empathize and empathy doesn't mean you agree it's just like you said understanding and it tells us who do we want to be and who we don't want to be so even though I could be talking to somebody that I completely like, I can't believe they did what they did. And I, I can even empathize. I can understand. It doesn't mean I agree with it. It's, it still shows me who I want to be and who I don't want to be. And it makes us a little bit more of who we are. 
Right. And, and the more that you can weed out, well, I would never do that. I would never say that. Oh, I want to do that. I'm like, we become more of who we really are. We uncover the pieces of us that we, we shed that stuff that isn't us. And we become more us when we understand other people that are different from us. And I think that's really important. And I think, Catherine, it sounds like you do a really great job of that in your books. I mean, I think we really need to do a better job as a human race to understand people that are not like us. Yeah. Because it will help us be more of who we are. And we're all very unique and we deserve to be that unique person yeah. in the world. Well, and I, I think that yes. that's a hundred a hundred percent right. And I think that a lot of times what we as people do will say, I don't want to be like that, or I don't want to have that trait or that characteristic where, you know, it, we should be flipping that around and, and looking at the positive things we can what achieve. What I do want. Of, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. What I like about that, or maybe you don't want something because it is who you are, a part of you. Too. Well, that is also and very true. With <laughs> you have to and deal with that stuff, right? Like, that, do. I don't like that about yeah. you. Well, guess what? Maybe it's because I'm like that when I don't like mm -hmm. something. And, I'm, and it's highlighting it for me. And I think, I do believe the universe shows you what you need to see. If you're seeing something, it's to pay attention to it. So pay attention. What is it telling me about myself and how can I learn from this? And that's a better way of looking at it than just, right, going after or argue or attack or put down or condemn. What is it telling me about me? How can I be a better me? Yeah, Not I don't easy, know. but I something see to think about. I see some weird shit on Twitter and I, I don't really feel like there's a reason for me to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want no, to there see is. it. You're supposed to be off Twitter having a drink. <laughs> it's, just, I was why. That's why. it's telling you get off Twitter. What you're learning you is go away. <laughs> there's a reason. I'll tell you. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, Josh. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> oh, 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 goodness. Well, hey, guys, look at this all of this time and we've stayed on track for this whole show without even diverging once Bravo. from our path well there was a slight <laughs> i don't even There's remember some... what happened like, <laughs> you folded squares of divergence and... <laughs> if don't you don't remember, remember wait was it back to front or front to back? i can't remember no, now <laughs> it is a trap it's a black hole <laughs> oh because <laughs> oh, those jersey girls okay. well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. oh well katie <laughs> what else have we got for tonight that was pretty much it and we nailed it like we stayed on topic almost the entire time we won't go off topic for the end here. We're gonna finish strong. We're gonna stick that landing. I, oh, oh! I have something to show you. I have something to show you guys. Look, look at this. I have been practicing. I have to do this here. I've been practicing. My daughter's been helping me get a look. I've been practicing with eyeliner, trying to get it just above my lash line, and uh, I haven't quite figured out how to make the wing things yet. But I'm starting to get get the um, eyeliner down. It looks um, good. So thank you, thank you. I think, I think I think you have actually, heard you some tips because I suck. <laughs> you will. I don't wear any, so you are way ahead of me. Well, you're all natural. Come on. Yeah, you guys don't need it. I haven't slept in two years, so I need a little. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel yeah. How is is your kid two or one? No, she's nine the, months. So I haven't slept through the pregnancy. Right, the pregnancy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm not ready. I, I need a little more time for like maybe I'll sleep next year. I'm thinking 2021. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. 
you will. You'll get it back eventually. Well, if right? I did, I didn't get it. Well, guys, this has been a really fun show. I mean, I it, this was great to to have you guys here. And yeah, wait, wait, I've been talking a lot, Katie. Why don't you do the end of the show? This is just your sneaky way of not having to to do the sponsor I, stuff. What are you talking? Back to front? What? Oh, I, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it it you have all the personality, Jason. People I bet, come oh my for you. goodness, that is not true at all. Well, and you know me in person. Katie, Katie came and lived with us for a week, and she knows I will just sit on the couch and watch Brooklyn Nine Nine for hours and not speak to anyone. Best That's, weekend ever. Uh, <laughs> so good. So good. Well, guys, it has it really has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Christina and Catherine, for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. Yeah. yeah. And Super thank you. you guys are always welcome. Yeah. And thank you, thank you. Mickey, Mickey from uh, Creative Edge for um, hosting this and setting us up with all of our wonderful guests. We we, we absolutely adore you. Thank you so much for all your hard work. And for everyone that's been watching and commenting and helping us out, uh, thank you. Share it, like it, whatever you got to do, and we'll see you next week. Yep, we'll be back next week. Until then, bye, guys. Bye.